to another episode of Standing 8. I'm Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm joined by my co-host, three-time world champion and boxing Hall of Famer, Jeff Finnick. Great to be here. Very excited today. And the voice of Australian boxing, Ben Damon. Paul, great to be here, mate. So, yeah, what a fantastic guest we have, a, a British sporting legend and a man we're very uh, pleased to say lives uh, not too far from us now here in Sydney. Um, Nigel, Ben, thanks so much for, for coming along today. Um, before we talk about your incredible life and career, uh, probably worth discussing the fact that uh, one of the greatest of all time, Marvin Hagler, has only recently departed. He's someone you've described as a hero. I know Jeff uh, was close with Marvin as well. How marvellous was Marvin Hagler? I mean, you know, to me, he was the best middleweight around. But in my own judgment, I just loved everything about him. Just went in, just all business, not playing around. I just, I just loved his style, everything. I just loved everything about him. It's like my hero, to tell you the truth. And for him to pass at 66 is really a shock, really, to the boxing world. We're all going to miss him, mate. He was the ultimate... Boxing person, you know, when you just run, you sleep, apparently you're not supposed to have sex. he done all that. He locked himself away. He was the ultimate professional. Yeah. And like Nigel, he was a great friend of mine, but also uh, an amazing idol of mine. I just, uh, yeah, when you were growing up and you wanted to be a fighter, you... Marvin Hagler. Yeah, you, you, mm, you looked yeah. at Marvin and you took so many yeah, leafs yeah. out of his book. He'd yeah. he done that, he done this, you know, he never... He, he was just, he was a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just important to, to mention that at the top of the show. But uh, Nigel, Ben, uh, we're here to talk about you and, and your incredible life and career. Uh, now you're based here in Sydney. How do you enjoy uh, life here? And, and what brought you over here? I know a lot of um, British boxing fans who live here, when you tell them that Nigel Ben lives here, that blows their mind. Well, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to come here. Yeah. My wife... My wife said, let's go and look at Australia. I said, what do I go to Australia for? Everything, <laughs> everything venomous lives in Australia. Why do I want to go there? I said, we're not worried about um, surfing. We black men, we don't surf anyway. So I'm not really worried about that. But it was like, I lived in Spain for 12 years. The kids speak Spanish fluently, but I don't. So when I came to Australia, I remember went into a, a food court in the city and this Chinese man went, what you want, fried rice? You want noodles? I went, yeah, sweet and sour pork. Went, yeah, went, oh, yeah, went, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm speaking, <laughs> speaking to a man in English. It was so brilliant. And I just fell in love with it. And I'm going to tell you, I've got to tell you this story. Then um, we came for like about four weeks, went down to the Gold Coast, just loved it, went in the city, we just loved it. And my friend said, like, I said, go and see the immigration officer, find out what I need to get in. So... He went to see the immigration officer and he said, look, I've got a celebrity boxer that wants to move over here. And he said, who's that? He said, Nigel Ben. Oh, Nigel Ben. I went to his gym when I was 12 years old. This immigration officer yeah. came to my gym when he was 12 years old. It's like God said I had your back 35 <laughs> yeah, years ago. 35 years ago. And I said, oh, mate. And, and you know what? I, I, I love it here. I wouldn't know where I'd go if I left Australia. So you're here for good now? 100%. Do you, miss, do you miss the UK? No. What? No. Really? <laughs> really? What do I, I miss about raining? You know, it's so funny. When you rain, sometimes it's all cloudy and all that, and all of a sudden, oh. And then all of a sudden, it's like the sun breaks through, right, I'm in, open the clouds, just evaporate. In England, you think, these dark clouds. How long are they? How many months are they going to See, be? See, I've got to be careful because my, my fiance is from Manchester, so I can't. Oh, that's can't, even can't. bloody worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to say. Um, she loves it here, mate. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Nigel, we want to talk about your boxing career. I, I think an inciting incident from reading your book and talking to you um, 
in your life and your career came when you were only eight years old with the yeah. death of your brother, which seemed to propel you towards the sport and um, it really shaped who you became. I, 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 do you know what? No, I just, would you believe from that time, my life just changed totally. No. I was scared of the dark. I was, I just had fear. I didn't want to die. I just, I was depressed for many, many years. Many, many years because I, I couldn't deal with the death of my brother. The only way I can describe it is like when Simba lost Mufasa, he walked around just wandering around aimlessly. That's what I was like for 40 odd years until I got help because I never, I never, I never dealt with it. It was like, you know, in it was like at the age of 12, at the age of eight, I was smoking cigarettes, at the age of 12, I was, I was spliffing. It was just like everything falling apart until I joined the army. but. I was just going through a very, very dark phase in my life for many, many years that I didn't know how to deal with it. And then um, you found the army, and then from the army you found boxing. Yeah, I, well, I was always street fighting from the back in the yeah. day. It was like the National Front. I don't know what you call a National Front here. I mean, um, oh, you could sign up like, like like the Ku Klux Klan people that you know. Oh. We, we, we were we were back in the seventies. We always used to having street oh, fights. Oh right. And, Having street fights, I, mean, <laughs> so I was always I was always fighting for the right, yeah, right, right. I was always fighting, and then like you know, then it then I went. I had to join the army because I was always. I remember I went to court, got done for shoplifting, shoplifting, GBH, threatened behaviour, handling stolen goods, and GBH again. I thought to myself, my dad said, "You better go and join the army." So I spent four years, two hundred and fifty-six days in the army. Army number two four six zero four six one seven. Fusilier Ben First Battalion, Royal Regiment of Fusiliers. So, <laughs> You, you, you never, you never forget, you that. forget that. You know, you're like, yeah. Um, and did, but you started boxing in a formal capacity. Yeah, in the but I, I actually started started off back in 1976 when I was doing um, martial arts, did right. kickboxing. That's where all my it came from. First of all, mm. and um, but I started. Yeah, I started boxing in the army. If you're good at sport in the army, whatever sport it is, they take good care of you. Instead of you getting up a bit at like four forty-five in the morning. They're going to play silly buggers, excuse my French. <laughs> I'm in the gym just training, training, while they're all having slops and having steak and salad and everything. So they, they take good care of you <laughs> in sports, yeah. Um, you had 40 or so amateur fights, but then your first 22 fights as a professional were all stoppage victories. What was that journey like, becoming a professional and um, knocking everyone out? Yeah, it was so funny. It was like, I remember, I'll never forget when you signing on that you called a doll, do you know what you call it doll here? I was getting, I remember it, like it was yesterday, I was getting 36 pound 40 every two weeks. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm, wow, I get paid a thousand pounds for knocking somebody out. Oh, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was. And it just kind of just escalated. And, you know, and um, yeah, first 22 fights, 22 wins, 22 KOs. And then we came to Michael Watson. And, and and that was so funny because um, I thought, what could he do to me? You know, I remember um, at that fight, I got my head plaited really tight. And if you go to an African to get your hair plaited tight, it's like winning a black man come out like a Chinese man and pulled your hair back so tight. I think, I've got a title fight coming up. But I didn't really care. But the funny thing about Michael Watson, he just knew how to beat me. It was like... I just block his shot. I know he's going to bang himself out. And then all of a sudden, I went back to the corner in the fifth round. My trainer went, now go out there and steam him. 
I'm looking in a boxing pamphlet, steaming, steaming. I can't find it in here. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to be in trouble. And all it done, it just hit me with a jab and that was it. I was just exhausted because before even the fight started, I was on three quarters of a tank anyway. So then once the fight started, it was like, it was just, because I, yeah. I didn't have a second gear. Is that because you were extracurricular activities outside of the ring? Is that... Is that why you sort of had less in the tank? Or? No, 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 because I was smoking. And, you know, it's just I was, I was addicted to nicotine. That, that never, the stuff never come along until I started making up the ladder. Mm. And after 22 fights, 22 wins, you thought you were going to win? You were super oh, 100%. 100%. I thought, like, what can he do to me? Yeah. And then afterwards, then when I come back to fifth round, <laughs> I was out. Tank was empty. You made a lot of changes after that loss. Um, was it a loss looking back that you needed for your career to progress? hundred percent. Because I never, I never sparred. I hated sparring. Why? Oh, because I'm not getting paid for that. No. Listen, <laughs> when I went to when I went to Fifth Street Gym, I, I had to start sparring. I remember we were sparring with a guy called Freddie Pendleton, but he was yeah, only like, he was only light, but he was great. Yeah. And he'd be going bang, 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 bang in my height. Headgear fly off, I think, ah, oh, freaking hell. And I used to go to bed, I think, oh, Lord, just break my ankle. I don't, I don't want to do spar no more. I don't want to do this. I just didn't like sparring. But that was because, but then after six weeks, I started to understand what this is, what it was all You're about. You're getting used to that. Yeah, I'm myself. Yeah, yeah okay, well, okay. Reality, you can't this, be successful. This, this is how they do it. Yeah. This is how they do it. And I mean, sometimes I would like, big cruiserweights, you know, and they used to knock me around, but for the first six-week period, I didn't mind that. I was getting to learn the trade. Mentally, how do you bounce back from a loss like that? Because 22 wins, 22 knockouts, you're indestructible, invincible. How do you, from a mindset No, I want to find out, am I all hype? Am I really all hype? Or am I as good as what I think I can be? And so I I went back there and I just went through and said, okay, because I thought to myself, can I do 10 rounds? That's the first thing because I used to struggle doing three, 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 three minute rounds as an amateur. Then all of a sudden, I'm doing ten frees. And then once you know you do ten frees, you can do twelve. So once I know I got that, once I kind of break that in my head that you know I've done my ten, ten three minute rounds. But I was never. I just wanted to see how good I was. I know I had the power. I know I had the power to take people out. Well, you started taking people out again pretty soon after that. You won your world title and then um, the Iran Barkley fight is one that's probably uh, not as well thought of in your career as the Eubank fights, but um, an incredible performance. Nothing. Uh, you know what my fight? You can't miss that Doug DeWitt. Doug DeWitt, to win the world title. Yeah, you got to win. Because Doug DeWitt, I remember, we come out, we come out in the middle of the ring and he goes to me, this is before it was like the, like the way, and he goes, you're going down. I said, yeah, I might go down. So are you. <laughs> that, was, that was my attitude. And at that time, we had eight-ounce gloves. Oh, my gosh. Not ten, eight-ounce gloves. So they're just around my hand. Just, I can feel my knuckles sinking in. I mean, when I was hitting him, I was hitting him fast and wild. And But yet, I was. I, I, I knew we weren't going to we go 12 rounds. I just knew it. And, I mean, he was sunk. So, so, Taking so much hard blows. He took a lot of shots. I rewatched yeah. that quite recently, actually. Yeah, he took he, so many shots. Yeah, and um, Iron Barkley, how I beat Iron Barkley, I was scared of Iron Barkley. I thought, oh, well, I'm not scared. I've oh, got to train hard for him. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, done the sparring, done the running, taking the vitamins, done everything. And all of a sudden, at a press conference, we come out, we come out, we looked at each other. 
I thought, well, you can have it right now if you want it. I was looking at him. <laughs> and he looked down on the ground. I thought, yes, I've got him. I've got him. I've got him. He looked down only because he went and he looked down. I thought, yes, I've got him. And the first thing I come out, the first punch I threw, yeah. I done a hot skip and a jump went bang, straight right hand. I just knew I had him. Yeah. I knew I had him. And you rocked him straight away. Yeah, you, you hit him a good shot on the ground as yeah. well. Oh, no, but that, that was the adrenaline going, stay down, you. Stay down. Isn't it crazy how when you think of things, Styles, Styles make fights. So you look at look at Barkley, beat Hearns, Duran beats, yeah. Duran gets knocked out cold by Tommy. He gets out, he beats Iran Barkley. Yeah. You, you kind of try to it's put this puzzle yeah. together. It's just, it's Styles make fights. Yeah. yeah. You know? But taking him out in a round, that must rank oh. highly in your... History. No, way. but I didn't. I didn't actually want it to stop in the first round. I didn't want a free knockdown <laughs> rule. I didn't want a free knockdown. Himself. I wanted to give it to him. <laughs> I really wanted to give it to him because you know, everyone always oh, going to beat you, mate. He's so ugly. Tears won't even run down his face. But I really <laughs> wanted to bash him. I really, wanted, I really want to have a war with him. That's all I wanted because I thought to myself, he's strong, but he's slow. Yeah, yeah but yeah. very powerful. But that's one thing with you. When you're in the ring, you're so aggressive. Like you, your entrance and just your demeanour, you're like a caged animal, you know. It's crazy yeah. that we see it today because uh, um, earlier on, Nigel was giving young Brock a big rap, young Brock Jarvis we're talking about. And, but Brock and I have been watching some of Nigel's fights because Brock and I sit down and watch all great fights. And, um, well, you, but yeah, but, but you yeah. certainly were something special. You but, certainly but you know what it is, Jeff, and actually, like, you know, I don't mind going to the subject a bit, but... Watching Brock, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, he's an animal. He really is. I thought to myself, so, and I thought, he's been out a year. Mm. He was out a year. And he 16 come months, yeah. Yeah, all right, and he come back and he done what he done. I think, you know, them body shots are just... It's, it must be his trainer. <laughs> I don't mind that. Whatever it is, mate, it works. It works. Nah, it works. He's, he's a hard worker, yeah, it, it works, mate. But, um, yeah, so I'm um, fighting. No, I just want to ask you a question. Like, yeah. We're just talking now, like I said. Man, when I watch... Your fights, I think to myself, excuse me, far, what a, now their fights, today, fights are nothing like it. And I, and I, I don't just say this disrespectfully, I don't just say this disrespectfully, but Canelo Alvarez, those, those guys couldn't have lived against Chavez, Duran, or those guys around their way, or Nigel Ben. They, they, today, look, they, they've got it easy. I just think that we're, we're at a, a stage of the world where, the fighters aren't like they used to be. But you think of Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Duran, Chavez. We followed them. Uh, and yeah, yeah, just crazy. And, we, and then I look at these fights and I think, oh, for instance, when, and, I, and I love Floyd because I think Floyd's an amazing. I love Manny. But when they fought between them, they threw like 600 punches between two guys in the whole fight. I threw that in three rounds mm. on, on my own. You know, and you were the same. It just it, the, fight, the fight games just changed. Mm. And you see all these guys staying on They're talking to each other on it like... I know Mike Tyson's got his beautiful trailer, but he's got these guys talking and calling each other out and laughing with each other on, on Instagram and on FaceTime. We never had yeah, that. I would never talk to one of my no, friends. 100%. Not, not even at the way, not even until after the fight, then I'll appreciate everything you've done. I know, he, I know you went through what okay. I went through. But prior to that, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to even shake their hands. It's like, you know what it is? You're like, right, Nigel Ben fighting Chris Shoebank. Boom, that's it. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him. Boom, that's it. And then we get prepared. Not like now, it's all like social media. That can all get in your head. There's well, a, a, a great bit of footage of you and Chris yes, um, when yes, you signed the contracts yes, on live yes. television. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that sitting, too. You're sitting behind him and he's, he's sitting in front of you and you're yeah. sort of just going at each other and he's obviously got a yeah. very different style. You pushed him to <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, but, but what it is, you've got to look at, right? 
I don't know where it come from. I've got a plastic soldier in my hand. And I think, where did this plastic soldier, like, like you know, the, the, the little soldier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that in my hand and I'm playing around with it on a horse. I thought, what? look at it. And you think, where did that come I from? That. <laughs> yeah, look at it. Oh. But, but I actually didn't, I really didn't like him because the way Chris used to carry on, it's like the Queen should be living in Hove and he should be living in Buckingham yeah. Palace. <laughs> Got the wrong addresses, you know what I mean? Different but, sort of he dressed like the Queen? But, 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 <laughs> no, but I think he was actually a sharp dresser. It's <laughs> ugly, but he's a very sharp dresser. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was, um, he, that's, that's, that's another... He was your perfect dance partner, that oh, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, just because you were so contradictory to each other outside. Yeah, and, but and stylistically, yeah, but, it made a perfect Did you see his body? Oh, I said, Lord... You'd be jealous. What, what, what's this? What's going on here? Look at his muscle on top of muscle. His head was like shaped like a mallet. It was, it was just so strong and he had muscles. Unbelievable. And the first fight between the pair of you was an incredible fight. Mm. Um, yeah. No losers it was, in a it fight was, like It was that. the best, it was better than the second. Yeah, certainly. Very apprehensive. No the, losers the, in a fight like that, like that. but um, was it his power that surprised you? Did he punch harder than, than what you thought going into that fight? Yeah, he punched hard, mate. And sometimes I've done a couple of, oh, my legs have gone, oh, <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, I saw that, mate. Oh, because <laughs> once your leg goes and that's it, you can't disguise it. Oh, I but saw that. The amazing thing was when you're talking about early on, but you're certainly prepared probably for that fight because you're able to recover and come back and, mm. and give him everything yeah. that he gave yeah, you. Yeah, but, but it's like, you know, in like they said, oh, I shouldn't have stopped the fire. I think, yeah, they did in my eye. It, the only way I could describe it, it was like someone pricking me with a needle. So every time he was hitting me, it was like a pain just shooting up. But and not only that, he was strong. It yeah. was his yeah. day. I mean, he, I, I, it was a good shots on the chin. They just bounced off, bing. Oh. So looking back, you're happy with the stoppage of that fight? You, yeah, 100%. Because yeah. uh, it was late in round nine. Yeah. You, you, a lot of people thought if you, you were given the chance to go to uh, go again, maybe no, you could produce the shot. Yeah, but... You yeah, but, yeah, only had one eye. Yeah, that was not that. And he had a jaw like... Yeah. He's like granite. So they were just bouncing off him. It was, just, it was his day. It was his day. And plus, you know, went from, you know, the WBO fourth division to the premier built the WBC so I was happy for that you know what I mean yeah <laughs> you're a megastar in in the UK before that fight and then even bigger after that fight how did you cope with the, the celebrity especially in the, in the United Kingdom <coughs> well it's so funny I think Jeff will understand this because when you start going up there, there's people that come out from all walks of life and you end up meeting some naughty naughty people and and all of a sudden they become your pals. They become your pals. And, you know, I mean, we had a firm, we used to go out, for 10 years, we used to go out clubbing, Ministry of Sun. I lived in there. And, and I remember the fight I had, I fought a guy called Sugar Boy Malinga. Oh, yes. And I had, like, really good, it was like, it could have gone either way. Yeah, it went the distance. Yeah, yeah and, and someone went, oh, and I was depressed, I thought, ah. Oh. And someone went, oh, go and have one of them. And they put the thing around. <laughs> and I followed it. The next minute, because I mean, it's all in the book, all in the book anyway. The next minute, I've got this rush that hit me up. Because I was like a straight guy. I didn't drink, I didn't do nothing. The smoke. Just smoke, that was it. Because I, I, I'd never done cocaine, never, because it was like, back in the day, it wasn't a black man drug. We couldn't afford it. It was all like the stockbroker guys and all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it just went split and that it cost me nothing. Still is. <laughs> right. But then all, of a, then, all, then all of a sudden, and I had this little thing, 
And the only one could describe it, Vinny, you lot watch one? I don't know if you lot might watch it. Madagascar, when the, when the, when the lion gets shot in the backside and he's, ooh. <laughs> that was me all over the place. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you, from that time, I became addicted. From that time. First one I had, little fella, I was addicted. And it was like, because I was going through a divorce as well, and I, oh, and I had this little thing just took me, took me away. And then from that time I took one, I was just addicted to it. Ecstasy was massive in the UK at that oh, time. Yeah. What, how many were you getting through? Like, no, no, no. So when you, no, when you got people taking all five and six, no, that's it. They must have the wrong ones. Oh, right. I'll have, I'll have, I'll have, I'll have the snowball, <laughs> yeah, the good ones. New Yorkers, Triple Xs, whatever, <laughs> Rubans and all this, like bananas, and you know what they are. You have like one of them. Right. One of them, because I'm fit. Yeah. So when you have it, it just takes your head off. But I could not wait to have my fight. Be like, yeah, bang, bang, bang. Come on, lads, let's go out for right. ten years. Right. Ten years, we'd just be clubbing. We're going. So day after day, would you be back on? Or is that? Oh, for like when I when I outside was outside of training camps. Oh, when I, yeah, never while I was training. Yeah. Nothing while I was training. What it was like. Uh, but you'd back up day after day going out. No, but we would go. Oh. You'd be up for days. No, we'd stop. Yeah, that's it. We'd stop. Monday, we'd sleep till Wednesday. No, 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 no. And we do, we do Thursday, strings. Yeah. Friday, gas club. Saturday, ministry of sun. Froggy night game. So we'd go to bed about Monday, Monday, Monday morning. Yeah. Thursday and to then Monday. Then, then, then Thursday, we're up. And then it would go on until I go away training. But, you know, it was an addiction that, you know, that was, that was hard to, to break. And plus, I didn't have to pay for nothing. Mm. It was like we had these, these we call them bullets, mate. All these big lumps around, but it wasn't like I need protection. It was just like no, we they just love, they love being around yeah, you. Yeah, they and wanted you, to be you. That's yeah, what that's yeah, that's what's about. And we all just for years we just used to all like hang out. Then we go away trainings where they come away just to watch how I train and anything. So I'd done it religiously, training hard. But then after that, then I had to have that that let off period where I'd like for. About four or five weeks. Mm. Was that just a blur, that whole period? Did it feel like just a blur because you're just partying, training, partying? I, no, listen, I, I, I remember it all like yesterday. I, yeah. I'm sorry to say it's actually the best part of my life. Why do I say that? Because through that, that season of life, I learned so much about myself. It helped me deal with my depression and a lot of suicide that, that I actually was dealing with. And it was so it was like... And the only thing that I felt really sad about is like um, the affairs that broke my my wife's heart. But she'd been with me nearly thirty years now. She stood by me and helped me get through all these difficult times. But it was like her, the only way that I I could get out without suffering with this depression. And and so it wasn't a blur. But some of the times, that, and I watched a program about the hippies back in the sixties, and I was also watching these women dancing. The guys would be like that, drooling. And I thought, man. That's me. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. So it's like the the sixties in the eighties and the 90s, it was exactly the same. Mm. It was a, it was a, but it had to come to an end. But it was so much that. So do you tie your addiction at that point and the mental health issues that you've been through to what happened to your brother? Is that yeah, hundred percent. Because yeah. I didn't back in the day. Back in, you got to understand, my brother was my hero. Yeah. He was killed by racists. He was pushed through a window, and cut his grind, fell through a window, cut his grind, and bled to death. 17. So when you think about it, he was in that garden on his own. You try and think about it. All the blood left him. 17 years old. 
And it was something that, you know, really, really affected me because it was like, I try and think about it because when he was 17, I thought, God, yeah, he's, he's a man. I was only like eight years old. I used to hang around with him, go to the house where he was at. Because the woman that he was seeing, he was 17. She was about 35. It's a big Irish woman. I, I, I don't know what he saw in her, but, you know, that's neither here or there. So, But it, it, it just really affected me. All for all my life now, I'm carrying these issues in my life because back in the day, no one ever talked about it. Mum and Dad never talked about it because they look at it, they brought him all the way from Barbados when he was a kid, brought him over here, and now he ends up dead. So they struggled with that, and it was only until I was 45, 46 that I took my mum down to the grave where my life had changed, that we had to go and deal with it. I said, no, I bought him a big tombstone that he didn't have dead. And they said, you know, thank you for doing this because we couldn't, they couldn't feel it. They they felt like they, they failed their son. And so, you know, there was a lot of crying and everything. So, But yeah, I still hadn't dealt with what I was going through because from them issues, there was so many things that come from it, like depression. I used to be fighting for custody of my kids and everything, and it was like, I don't know, do, I, do I shoot myself? Do I want this? Or did I just want someone to put their arm around me and say, you know what, you're going to be all right. That would have been better, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's what you... But you don't think like that because... You're on, you're, on, you're on your pills and all that, and you're, you're just struggling. And, and the other thing, everybody thinks you're a big, tough, strong guy. This guy's down the street beating people up, and you don't need help. But yeah, we do need help. We all need help. We do, and you know yeah. what, isn't it so funny? I, I look and I think to myself, I'm not strong. I tell you who's strong, my wife. Now, because if she told me she cheated on me for 16 years, I want to go and find every single one of them guys. But that's what we men do. But what does she do? And it wasn't, she didn't find that. I told her when my life changed when I became a Christian. I, I, I told her, I confessed everything. Left my wife for one year. We lived in my pastors. Didn't watch TV or nothing. Just studied the word of God. My whole life kind of changed. That's when everything changed in my life. It was just like a, a being reborn. It's just something, wow. And I have peace. Because I had to deal with all the drug addiction. Stop smoking. Stop sleeping around. Stop taking ecstasy. Just cha- oh, everything just changed. But you had a you had a sex addiction during that period as well, didn't you? It wasn't was it, just, it, it wasn't wasn't just, just that period that started at the age of 12. 12 it started. <gasps> oh, what was that? Oh, I've got to do that again. That, 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 that was it. You talk about a sex addiction, but like when you're a world champion or when you're a pop, girls have an addiction to you as well, so mm. it, it creates it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, like, it creates uh, it. I mean, 100%. Yeah. And then when you kind of, it's not like, you know, I don't know Brad Pitt or anything, but you know what? I don't do too bad. But it was one of these kind of things that, you know, that because you had everything you want, you've got the money, you've got the fame, you've got the mansion, you've got the Bentleys, you've got the Ferraris, you've got literally everything. And actually ended up in Buckingham Palace. It's like it's like me saying, I live in Blacktown, and yet... No, I live in Blacktown, I live in Glenorie. But, but what I'm saying is, it's just like, well, I used to live in... In England, so it's like me from Backtown, end up in Buckingham Palace, Garden Pie. What am I doing here? <laughs> you know, it, it, so it's weird how things like, you know, from a guy that was signing on, getting £36.40 every two weeks, I'm in Buckingham Palace. I'm, a, I'm at this show with Will Smith, I'm at this thing with Denzel Washington, I'm at this thing with Samuel L. Jackson. So it's like 
all these things. Wow. What I find fascinating about your story is you suffered with addiction, depression, but during that whole period, you're still a world champion. Like, it's just, it's incredible. I think, you know, I think the army helped me a lot with that. I tell you what, it is crazy because when we talk about Nigel, I was blessed I trained Mike. And Mike was similar story yeah, like me. Yeah. But he was still able to go out there and perform, you know. Mm. It's, 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 it's crazy what these guys are really built of. And that's why, that's why they're special. That's why he's loved. And, uh, and he should be because um, he, was, he was special. And, um, yeah, and for him to go through that and then to, to be here today and to be able to, to explain it, and all this is doing is going to help other people. It's, it's not going to make a, it's not going to do any but help people. I think it's it's an he's an amazing human. I've that's why that's why I love Mike so much. Yeah, he's yeah. able to change his whole life around Nigel and do what he's doing today. And like I said, I see, I've seen him when he's just about been dead, and I thought he was going to die. Wow, my my, my mate's going to die, and I was outside standing in front of his house crying. Thinking, wow, what's going? And look at him play. It's crazy. Yeah. Look at him it's well, crazy. it's so funny you saying that, Mike, because it was some guy that you know had all these white tigers. I see you yeah. with him and all that, and all of a sudden. He's lost everything. He, he could have been one of the richest sportsmen going, but he lost everything. Look where he is now. He's doing even better now. Can you believe it? And he'll, he'll have more money. His marijuana company and stuff. Oh, no, can you believe it's, that? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make him more money than boxing. Yeah, absolutely. I was just over there with him a year and a bit ago, just before COVID came in, and looking at the properties that, he, that he's bought. And look, I've got to just say, um, his wife Kiki's an amazing lady. I think, you know, when you meet the right yeah, partner yeah. like you have and I yeah, have, yeah, um, yeah people talk about having their mates as their best friends but if you, ha if you have the right partner like I said she's the strong one my wife's the strong because they know what we've been through and they know yeah, yeah. what we're capable of and they still support us yeah. he's, he's blessed yeah, he's blessed he's got a great supporting system and wow he's killing it um, back to your story Nigel yeah. uh, you won another world title in, in Italy and then um, you had the rematch with Chris Eubank a, a massive fight one of the biggest fights in, in British boxing history well, um, we actually we actually had over 18.5 million in England yeah. and over half a billion around the world. Right. I think it was Definitely. one in four Brits yeah. watched that fight. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like, it was, a, it, was a, it was a big fight and it was at Man United, yeah, Old Trafford. Old Trafford, yeah. I mean, so, um, I mean, I thought I won it though, but you know, I mean, I, I'm happy having a draw in a loss. Yeah. I mean, as long as I've got that belt around me, I've still got a million pound around me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> so you're not, you don't hold it, you, are you? Do you look back and go, I won that fight? Or do you just... No, no, but you know what it is? I look at it and I think, uh, I look and I think, oh, thank you, Lord, for bringing Chris into my life. Yeah. I do, I, I really do, to be able to retire at 32. I think that's all down to, to, me, to Chris, really. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, we're Joppers, Monocle, Kane, big juggernaut. <laughs> but he, he, had, he had style, he, had, he actually had class. You know, I, I think I was envious of him in certain... Some place he go and buy Aston Martin. I thought, oh, all right, then I'll go and buy Bentley Azur. What else are you going to buy? You go and buy a mansion. Okay, so we was always in competition with him, but I couldn't put on a suit like him. He put on a suit, he'd be absolutely immaculate. <laughs> yeah, Bro Brock tries to dress like him. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you better not, mate. He um he still is the Chris Eubank of old, though. He hasn't really changed, whereas you've right. you've, you've sort of got rid of that persona no because the reason why he's got an image that he has to portray it's hard for him not to be himself right and so i've you don't seen think that's him, i know i know i no, know it's not him yeah he effs him blind and everything i said what are you swinging for <laughs> you know when we, we, we were gonna when we was gonna get it together but we was gonna a, a third fight but he um he's not like that but because he's been playing that part for so long 
it's hard for him to get out. I had a great evening with you when we both got inducted in the WBC Hall of Fame. Great, hey, brother. How good was that? How good was that? Good with that. Oh, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I said, guy from Blacktown, we're in Vegas, we're standing on the stage with yeah, Marvin Hagler, uh, uh, Tyson, Ray Leonard, Ray Leonard Oscar De La Hoya, the dog, Evander Holyfield, the whole, and we're there. And he's like, wow. Because I look where I come from to yeah. actually end up there. How good is no, that? How great was it? And to have uh, your image on the belt as well. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and I think myself, Oh, Canelo gets keep doing what he's doing. I'm going to get taken off. I'll say, can't take Joe Kawasaki Take Joe, take Joe not me. Please, leave me on there. Leave me on there. You're going to be there for a while. We have to talk about the Gerald McClellan fight. Uh, an amazing fight on it's the not, face of it. It's, it's actually very easy. Mm. It's not. I'm not being disrespectful. It, it's not like you don't wish that on anybody. Mm. But. A lot of things were said before the fight because what you've got to understand with with the fight, I was meant to fight Michael Nunn. Mm. And Michael Nunn was a slippery six foot two yeah. southpaw. Yeah. He was a good fighter. And they said, well, look, we'll fight Michael Nunn, but we'll take 100 grand off. I said, don't be silly. I'm taking 100 grand off this with my, my manager. Yeah. He said, if we don't, we're going to bring in mini Mike Tyson. So they thought so going, oh, oh, really? <laughs> what? You won't bring him on? You effing it. I was, I was cussing. So go and bring him on. Go and tell him bring him on. Go and tell him bring I'm not like that. I don't, I don't work like that. I spent only four years, 256 days in the army. Spent 18 months in Northern Ireland. Watched six of my friends get blown to smithereens. Do you understand? Mm. Don't know if I'm coming back. And you think this man with two arms and two legs is going to beat me? Yeah. So the narrative was that you were getting knocked out and you were getting knocked out early. That's, that's what people that, were that's saying. What they were One to three rounds. Were, were, were yeah. people around you saying that as well? Was there anyone in your you're camp not, or, what, or near you that... What are you on about? Anybody said it? I'm fighting. <laughs> what are you talking about? Did you have to fire anyone? Drop out. What? Did you have to fire anyone? Uh, no. We're all confident. Uh, we're, all com we're all confident, mate. It was like... Soon as that... Soon as that he said what he said. Wait, it was, of course they're all confident. They're not getting punched like you were. <laughs> you're going to win, You're going to win. I'm not getting punched. I'm not getting hurt. Yeah, right. of course you're going to win. It's, no. so, it's so funny, Jeff. I didn't even, actually, I didn't, have, didn't even worry me. It didn't actually worry me whatsoever. I knew I was going to win. And I remember what he said to my dad really annoyed me. Yeah, he, he said to my dad at the press gun, I'm going to hurt your boy. When he said you, that, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, that, that's it. Is that what he said? That's what my dad said. <laughs> what you, is, that in, is that in the book? Yeah, no, you just told me once before. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> that's what he said. You got to do what you want to do. And his Beijing accent, you got to do what you got to do. That's right. <laughs> that's that's what right. My dad, you can tell he hasn't been punching the head. So then afterwards, it was like, so, and then I thought to myself, talk to my dad like that. So I had like little things in me that you're being disrespectful to my dad. God rest his soul. And, uh, and I remember I come out and I looked at him. It was like, he was slim, but I looked at him, mate. And he just thought, I was not scared at all. Were you well, a bit like, worried when he put you through the ropes in the first round? No, hold on, let me get there, mate. Let me get there, let me get there. Let me just enjoy a bit further before I get there. <laughs> so anyway, so it was like we just stood there and I wasn't scared whatsoever. And I remember he hitting me, but then... He hit me up in my head. And all of a sudden, it was like, 
something just went out. I just went out. It was just like, and I went out and I looked up and I thought, I'm on the floor. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I got up and I don't know how, what happened. And I, I was walking, but I was like, I weren't all right because I can't remember nothing. Then I went back to the corner and Denny Mancini, God rest his soul, he went to me. Of course. Look at the state that you've got him in. Look at the state that you've got him in. I'm like, that's tough corner, man. That's tough corner, man. Really? Really? All right. Really? Ring the bell. Watch the second round. I'm chasing him around. Because what's actually happened, something in my subconscious has changed. He's bashed me out the first round. He's bashed a granny out of me. But what's happened? Something in my subconscious, something's just changed. He's hitting me. I don't feel nothing. What changed? I don't know. I don't know because Danny Mancini said... You feel nothing anymore. He's yeah, yeah. Danny Mancini said, look at the state that you've got him in. And I believe what he was saying. So when he said that to me, something just changed in my mind. I've never had that before in my life, in all my career. Sometimes I get, oh, oh, I felt that. I didn't feel one thing. Even when he put me down in round eight, I remember coming out and I, uh, right hand, left or uppercut and thought when you, right, when you come out for round nine, you got more of that. That was my whole attitude. I did not feel nothing. And it was so funny because after the fight, Don King, you look, watch it, watch the fight <laughs> at the end. Don King go, yeah, you made a believer, made a believer out of me. Yeah, you only brought him out of me to bash me up. Because mm -hmm, at done. the end of the day, I know Don King. He still wants to work with me because he, he worked with me all through my fights. Mm. So he's like, you know, and he knows I was bringing a good card. So he ain't going to say anything to me. If it, you know, I'll say, be off, mate. I'm not interested in you. Mm. But that, that was it. But then after the fight, what did I want to do? I wanted to go to Ministry of Sound. But I couldn't because I was like urinating blood for three days, shadow on my brain, and a fractured jaw. But I still want to go out. The addiction and all that. Yeah. Mm. Your opponent was in a lot worse condition, obviously, and, and remains so. But do you have any recollections of during um, the fight of seeing the blinking and all that sort of stuff no, that he no, was doing? No. You, you didn't notice. I was in my own, yeah, my own space. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I remember after the fight, I remember I walked into it. Just, it was just like the Rocky. I walked out of my room, mm. into his room, and said, I'm sorry, and I kissed you done. And I walked out. That was it. That was the last time. Mm. I saw him. And then... Afterwards, we raised, we done a show for him. Did you hear about yes, that? Yes, yes. Yeah, I saw we, the documentary. We, 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 we raised about a quarter of a million dollars for him. And he, you know, it, it was like, and I thought to myself, then after that, well, before that, his sister said, we wanted Ben dead, now we want his money. <laughs> what? You had a billionaire promoter that brought him over here, a bash yes. you, think, you yeah. think that you, I'm going to pay? But like, but yet we still like, you know, when I've done a documentary with him, oh my gosh, I had to get out of the place. Mm. I was so heartbroken because he said, he was asking his care, his sister, sister, yeah, yeah. sister. How, asking how, how is he? And it was like, but he's oh, I know he didn't mean it. How's he feeling? And I thought, oh, and I was up, some of, it was up and yeah. down, up and down. Yeah. And I couldn't deal with it. I said, yeah. I, I just want to get out of it because I couldn't, yeah. because I was emotional. Yeah, I, I never thought I'd be. Yeah, I'm watching those tearing myself. I never yeah. thought I'd be emotional. Mm. 
but but it was the it way seemed it was. that that was important for everyone that you came together. Yeah, hundred percent. That was great. But, but a lot of, a lot of celebrities all came out. Yeah, they all mm. came out. They um, paid a lot, quarter of a million dollars. But then after that, what does her sister try and do? Try and uh, sell a book about that I was on I was on steroids and all that. Uh, and if you heard me at the end, I said, like, you know what? If you said I had recreational drug, I said, yeah, I put my hand up. I'm not going to take... Mm. How can I take um, enhancing drugs? Everybody thinks, no, how can you do that to it? I feel like, you know, Ben... You remember Ben Johnson, the yeah, runner? Yeah, yeah. I'd feel like that. Yeah. I'm not that. If you said I had a split and took some pills and I'm like, yeah, I put my hands up. His trainer made those allegations Yeah, as well. well he's, 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 what's his name? Cranky, the... the, the I can't remember yeah, his trainer. yeah. The, Eccentric character, but I was even, I was even, I was even to, was it? I was even. Panama Lewis? Huh? Was that his Panama No, 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 no. I think you know what it was. It, it was nice to be able to say, well, you know what, I done what I had to do. Oh, you done what you had to do. That, that was great. What you done? Can't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you fought on uh, a bit further, but then last year you thought about making a comeback or yes. the year before against right. our own Sakio Bicker. Right, listen, listen. Yeah, but I could do him. I don't care, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sakio. But you know what it is? It, it's one of those things that, you know, I'll tell you for why. I was stress-free and I've been doing like a Tour de France ride. I do a lot of bike riding. Oh, my gosh. I've got you on my iPad. I've got it in the car. I'll show you. We went to... A, a fitness center, like equivalent of going to Mosman, you know, the top top um, yep, yep. fitness. And they done all my my tests. Right. You put my, you got right on the bike, and they took my my lung capacity, heart capacity, and everything. Right. And if they said like, you know, you're a fit forty five, you are. Fit four, I'm fifty five. I'll take that. If they said thirty five. Are nah, you joking? But when they said that I've got the fitness of a very fit twenty five, you, I thought, God damn. <laughs> Do you know? Because I've been, I do a lot of. Ultrasound mask. Do you wear your mask? Oh, right. Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you, you got to wear this, yeah. Jeff. I'm telling you, mate, listen. Take the, the mask off his button, give you the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Ultrasound mask, because I think for why. It eventually, I told Connor to expand your lungs. Because it's just, it's an altitude mask. I said, he didn't. But I used to start wearing 30 minutes with it. No, right, not sorry, tell a lie. Shadow boxes for 30 minutes. Now, I can do two hours with it on, on full, full blast. So these are the kind of things what you need to do. Instead of you having to go to altitude, altitude, wear the mask, and I guarantee you within six weeks you'll start seeing a difference because what you're doing, you're expanding your lungs. That'll be great. So you, see, you can wear that when we go out, so the girls won't look at you; they look at me. <laughs> you must, you must have some amazing genetics because you've you smoked through your whole career, partied your ass off, all, and you're still. The discipline from the discipline from the army. That's mm. the reason why I can continue to still train now. It's only because the training that I learned from the army. That discipline. The discipline, yeah. Mm. The discipline I have. And it's all the mindset, isn't it? Hundred percent. It's all the mind. And, and it, I was only talking about that to the other people that I've got. I'm helping people in the army. My battalion. They're struggling with fuselage versus suicide. And what you just said there hits the nail right on the head. We can, we can deal with whatever we have because it's all about our thought pattern. How do we think? How do we move? How do we, how do we hear? What, what goes in our mind? It's all about our thought pattern. And that's the same thing what you're talking about. Yeah. How, how can I help these guys? Did you injure yourself in training for the comeback uh, fight? Yeah, or so or yeah. did you just no, decide? No, 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 no. See, I've got, I've got two operations because I was having quarter zone 
and but I've got two tears right. in there. But I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the truth. Not that I'm lying anyway, I've got to have operation. But I came off my meds. Oh antidepressants. I I, I, I I got bipolar. Yeah. But then what it is it's so weird. It's not like I I, 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 I go get depressed. It's like I train twice every day. Mm. I've already trained this morning, and I'm gonna go and train. I, I just live for training. But what happened? Because I thought, oh, I'm all right. I don't need this. I put the tablets away. Something coming, man. Oh, you can still fight, mate. Look how fit you are. Oh. Yeah, you were cool. Yeah, you feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now this is what. Yeah. Listen, I, I, will, I can show you. I got in contact with Roy Jones. He didn't want to fight. Tried to fight Steve Collins. He was like pricing himself out. And I thought, but it, it became an obsession. Yeah. That I wanted to fight. I well, wanted to fight. I ran into you about four years ago, and you were going to try and fight Chris Eubank again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this was all, I just wanted to fight because I came off my meds. In like, and it was just, I just wanted to fight. And I thought to myself, because I'm more fitter now than when I was world champion. You're glad it didn't happen? Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Still like a fighter. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now you get to watch your son who's doing yeah, so incredibly well. World ranked. Uh, Connor, Ben, fighting yeah. out of the UK, um, doing a, a great job. And he's got a really big fight coming up shortly as well against Samuel Vargas. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, you know uh, I look at my son, you know, he, he's learning. He's, and what I do is learning on the job and his training is really, really good. I love, love everything, how his trainers training him. No, I, I, at first when I saw him, I thought, no, they were not really sure, but watched how he's progressed Connor, and Connor's doing well. He's just like, he's shot up the ranks. And you were saying, I heard you earlier, he's only had 20 amateur fights, so he's yeah. learning on the job. Absolutely. They get better, better. same as young Brock. I mean, Brock had 13 amateur fights. Every fight, we look at something and he improves. He's one of those kids, I'm, I'm sure, is very similar to, to your son. Brock watches, I make Brock watch his own fights more than anybody else's, just so we can see Absolutely. what he could have done, what he should have done, what the other guy done. And Yeah, we're... Well, yeah, I'm well, loving it. And you know what it is? I actually, Connor's like me. I actually don't, I never watch none of my fighters, that fighters that like go and fight him. Because if I watch and my trainer tries to teach me something, I'm not going to listen to him because I've got that mindset. I've seen what he does. But if Jeff's training me and Jeff's training me, nice, boom, boom. So what he tells me, I'm going to do. If I go and start watching it on my own, you've really got a pre pre uh, conceived yeah, version of what's going to so happen. If you tell me what to do, boom, watch that. He does this thing. I'll do what you tell me to do. Then I won't go. Yeah, wrong. no, I just crazy say because I always tell Brock, listen, don't worry, have it. You're going to make them fight your fight. My job, yes. is, your job, is to, to, to get them guys to train you because when they train you, you know you're knock them out. Yeah, Brock, we do the same. So that's it. Gonna, yeah, that's it. But you can see that though. Yeah, you can see that. He seems to have inherited your power. He's knocked out fourteen of his seventeen opponents. And if you've got if you've got boy strength, when he becomes a man, he can do it. Because me and him, we have banter and all that. He always said to me, "I said you, you can knock me. What are you talking about? You're an old man. I can knock you out." I remember I sparred with him here in PCYC. You had Brock Jarvis isn't your son as well. Yeah, it's like in a front myself, you know. And I thought, oh, and then like you know, he put it on me, mate. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and it was so funny because I was, I was punching him, and then after about round, about six minutes, but I wanted to because I, I sparked him before um, in the garage at home. I don't think you meant to do that. 
Asking teeth to blood everywhere. Everything. Oh, yeah, he was only fifteen. They wanted to get me back, and then after it was like that. And he was bashing me up and he was doing body shots. I thought, oh, you do that to your dad? <laughs> My whole attitude changed, you know what I mean? I wouldn't spar with him now, though. Yeah, he's top quality. He is, quality. yeah. He's got some some huge things coming up this this fight soon. But, um, yeah, what do you hope to see from Connor in the next little bit? Do you know what it is? I, I always say to my son, you know what I mean? Just keep your foot firmly on the ground. Don't let it go to your head because... It, it can, it can happen. It, it, you know, I've been there. It will, it'll go to his head. We just got to, he's got to learn to control it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Fame or fortune changes everybody. I don't care who, who says it right. doesn't change it. It changes your world. Of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. And it's so funny. But what I like about my son, he always says to me, I'll never be like you, Dad. And I mean, he said that. And it really kind of put a knot in my gut. I'm never going to be like you, Dad. Because he remembers what I went through yeah, with yeah. his mum. That's great. So, and, and he loved it. He doesn't go out clubbing. He's out with his wife. I mean, when he Great. first started, what did, what did he do? Come after a fight, he'd go and have Nando's. That was it. Or sit at home and watch, watch videos and all that. With his, and he's still doing that to this day. Good on him. He's not into clubbing. He's not into clubbing. So, so I think that he's, he's got a big future. Big future. I would like to say, Nigel, it's been an absolute honour having you on the show. And you, buddy. Good, good hey. to see you, mate. Hey. WBC all the way, bro. All the way, bro. All the way, man. Thanks. We got it. We got Thank it. You. Can't Thank you that. for talking Thanks. to Brock today. Thanks, Nigel. God bless you. It's been a nice pleasure. Voice to Brock, a great day as well. Thank you. And God don't forget to subscribe. Standing 8, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.